In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thank you. Many beautiful teachings in the Epistle and Gospel reading today, and the liturgical theme today is that of the holy ancestors of Christ, calling to remembrance Abraham and his faithfulness and all those who have come behind him, especially those who have followed him in faith. We're on the second Sunday before Nativity. And I mentioned last night, my kids kept reminding me this week, yesterday, only 15 days till Christmas. Hmm. Now 14. And that's a good thing to be counting down. Because we're anticipating something very, very important. Something incredibly special. We're not only anticipating the presence and the excitement of the day. The time together and the meal. But we're also anticipating like our holy forefathers are teaching us to do the birth of Christ and to long for the birth of Christ to long for Christ to be born into the world we had a beautiful reading last night a reflection that's from the Synaxarian from the lives of the saints just talking about this theme of anticipation and preparation through faith and how we can become children of the promise like those who've come before So that Christ may not only be born into the world in a particular time and in a particular place, but born into the world through a particular person and through particular persons, through the contemplation of the love of God and through a desire to receive Him, we become God bearers ourselves. That's our desire. So when we're celebrating the Feast of the Nativity, we're not only celebrating the most beautiful and loving and wonderful condescension of God to the earth, but into us and even through us to the world. We're anticipating that and just like every feast day, once you celebrate a feast, it's, it's a, a reality. It's, a con- it's concretized in our life and in our existence. And so we want Christ not only to be born in us on December 25th, but every day, every moment of every day, constantly being born forth. That's the liturgical theme But how can he be born forth in our lives? And I want to talk to you a little bit about one aspect of the spiritual life that's very important. And St. Paul brings it out in his epistle reading that we heard this morning to the Colossians from chapter 3. He says, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from your mouth. Put them all away. All of those things that come forth from your mouth. 
that are dangerous, that are harmful, that are hurtful, that are damaging. He understands that speech is powerful. Speech is a God-given faculty. There's a place for speech in our life. There's this place to exercise that ability that we have to speak a word. There's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is to speak truth. To name that which God has brought into life. And when we name something, like when Adam named the animals, or like when we name our children, there's, he, when we name something, we're identifying that it has a unique and specific God-given purpose. The name itself doesn't describe the essence of it. But the name gives us a manner by which to describe something unique and unrepeatable. Given by God. Beautiful. Each creature. Each person. To name something is to validate its existence. And so to speak as so as to name something is not merely to label it. To speak that word is a great privilege and responsibility that we have. The purpose of our voice and of our speech. To glorify God. To sing praises to our Savior. And especially for those of us who are being saved. To sing the glories of God. To proclaim His handiwork. And His mighty love. And His triumph over death and sin. And to express gratitude. To say thank you. And then to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to say thank you. The way of the Christian life is one of gratitude. And I often think of speech as a form of birth giving. It's a creative act. Every word that you speak goes forth from you into the world and you can't get it back. It's like a child that's born, brought into the world. We're giving birth all the time in this way, in the words that we speak. What kinds of words are we giving birth to? What are we bringing into this world? We have the ability to bring things into the world that are life-giving and life-affirming and redemptive. Or we can use them for a contrary manner, for a contrary purpose. We can use them incorrectly to damage others to speak lies to be insincere as we've spoken about sarcasm in the past we can say something without actually meaning what we're saying we're basically lying by our manner of speaking and when I talk to children sometimes about the harm that's done with speech I talk to them about how If someone punches you, you can feel it physically. And you bear the marks of that. You get a bruise or, you know, it hurts. But the same thing happens with the words that we use. Harm can be done. 
It's like punching someone, but we don't always bear the marks physically, outwardly, from the harm that's done from the words that are spoken. Unseen damage is done that teaches people in our lives to to fear us, to step back, to step away, to not trust us, to expect to be hurt rather than spoken into or to believe believed in, redeemed and loved. So there's a great, it's a double-edged sword. And that's why St. Paul warns us about these things that can come forth from our mouth, anger, wrath, malice, and slander, and foul talk. I heard a little clip of a a bishop speaking who was asked, how do we carry the lesson of not talking in the altar? Because we, we try not to have any frivolous talk. The altar area, the sanctuary, is like an image of heaven. And so there's no room for speech of my own in the sanctuary. And we try to model that mostly in the church too. And we greet one another and things, but we try to minimize our speech. Because when we're here, we're here to employ the words of praise and repentance. Glorifying God. How do we carry the lesson of not talking in the altar out into the world? And his simple answer was, talk less. Just talk less. We hear in every vespers, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and a protecting door about my lips. Every day, if we were doing vespers every day, for some reason we would hear that line, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and a protecting door about my lips. The psalmist knew that we needed even God's help in learning how to control our speech. And the therapy for putting away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from our mouths is to speak less. There's an ancient saying attributed to one of the desert fathers, I've regretted speaking, but I've never regretted remaining silent. So that's the end of the homily. No, I, just, <laughs> I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret. <laughs> Sometimes we act as if what I have to say is so important that if I don't desperately get it out, the world will be deprived of what I have to say. And the effect of this desire is that we fail to listen to others. And we tolerate, barely tolerate what they have to say. We pseudo-listen when my communication professors in college called it pseudo-listening. You're nodding your head, you're physically present, but you're mentally absent. You pretend to or you barely listen so that we can tell our story and give our opinion when they're done talking. But there's a very real possibility that we just simply need to listen and not speak when someone else is talking. I guess next to grunting, you could say speech is the lowest form of communication the most basic, and then singing is considered higher. You know the famous phrase, to sing is to pray twice. You're speaking the words, but you're carrying them with a tune, with a melody. But silence is considered to be the highest form of communication. Silence allows you to be in the presence of another without fear. And without anything to prove, 
Silence is where true intuition is experienced. Not proving one's own insider ability. When you're sitting there in silence, you have nothing to prove. But just finding security and being. And for the Christian to be silent is to admit that he or she is in the presence of God. This is why St. Isaac could say first, he said, flee verbosity. Don't talk too much. But he took it further by saying, if you love truth, love silence. This will make you illumined in God like the sun and will deliver you from the illusions of ignorance. Silence unites you to God himself. Which is the best way to encounter the sun? To talk about it? To read about it? To watch videos about it? Or to step outside and feel the warmth of its rays? Of course, to encounter it directly. The same goes for the presence of God. One way I think about love, like, I like to refer to love as the conversation of being. Love is the conversation of being. Mutual awareness without mediation. You think about the, the old the classic old couple sitting on the bench who are saying nothing, but they're acutely aware of one another's presence and their commitment to one another. This isn't to say that we shouldn't employ the faculty of speech with some kind of willful, willful forced silence or immature, well, I'm just not going to say anything then. You know, no, not that. I'm not talking about shutting yourself off from other people. Creativity and meaningful discourse is born from silence, from co-being, and from actually listening. The book of Proverbs famously says, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. In other words, when he's not talking. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. But we can do better than this. When St. Silo and the Athenite was asked, how did the perfect speak? He said, the perfect never say anything of themselves. They only say what the Spirit inspires them to say. Reminds me of a story from a, a friend who was going to visit a monastery and the, uh, the Urantissa there in, was talking to him on the phone. And uh, Urantissa means that, like the abbess, eldress. And she said, um, oh, and by the way, you're going to um, call your mom and invite her, and we're going to baptize her at the monastery. What? She's not, she's not even really been that interested. I mean, she's been around for a long time, but <clears throat> okay, may it be blessed. It's usually the response when a holy person tells you what to do. So he goes, okay, I don't expect anything to happen, but he calls his mom, hey, mom, I'm going to the monastery and uh, would you like to come? Yeah. And uh, would you like to be baptized? Yes, I would. What? I mean, okay. So they went to the monastery and showed up and he said, Eurantus, I came, I called my mom, she's here. You said we're going to baptize her. She goes, oh, I said that? I did? I said, yeah, you did. And she goes, oh, that happens to me all the time. I'll say things. I'm not even aware of what the Lord is speaking through me. I just, 
I'm just trying to listen to him and be a conduit. She goes, okay, well, you're going to baptize her. And his mom became orthodox. So, and she's a person of prayer, you know, a person of deep prayer, who prays the Jesus prayer. So true intuition is experienced in and born from silence. Listening to others and ultimately, ultimately listening to God. And out of silence is born the ability to speak authentically. St. Ambrose of Milan famously said, those who cannot keep silent should not speak. Would there be any better manner of speaking than only saying what the Holy Spirit inspires us to say? I can't think of a better way. And that's something that we can work on. I mean, very few of us have that discernment to even know whether or not it's the Holy Spirit. Well, you have to start somewhere. Before you can start speaking words inspired by the Holy Spirit, you have to start speaking less. (laughs) We need to start speaking less. So that when we do, we speak with greater intention. So my challenge this week for you as as we're in a fasting time is, of course, continue with the fast. Observe the fast seriously and pray more. But also this week, speak less. If you think you have something to say, put it to the test. Remain silent first. And let that silence be a genuine and God-trusting silence. Not just an obligatory one. And if a sound is about to come out of your mouth, say the Jesus prayer a few times mentally and very slowly. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. It's hard to spout off if you've done that. And seek God's blessing. See, if you pause and pray, you're seeking God's blessing on what you're about to say. Pause. Ask God's blessing for you to speak. Guide me. Where you will not go, I will not go. Even in my speech, Lord. And if you pause before speaking and realize that you do not need to give birth to a particular thought, because it will only result in bearing witness to yourself or doing harm or simply because you don't need to say it, then revel in the freedom and ability that you have to remain silent rather than speaking and then regretting it. There's always redemption. There's always forgiveness when we speak and regret it. But pause and listen more often. Hear what others are saying rather than always formulating what you are saying or even preoccupying with yourself with what you should have said and just listen. And if you must speak, let it be sincere. Let it be honest and born from even just a moment of silence and the recollection of God's presence and the great gift that he's given. Break through the perceived helplessness when you Silence yourself. You think, I, just, I have just as my, a much a right to talk as everyone else. And you feel helpless at first. But break through the perceived helplessness and the perception of weakness. And that silence, 
And in cultivating that silence, allow it to become a great source of strength because it can be. Incredible power, strength, and discernment can be born from the cultivation of silence. One of the greatest compliments I heard someone give about another person is, he's the only person I know who counts to ten before he speaks. Spoken of a priest who's very articulate. We can learn a lesson from this. And I think we have a lot to learn in this regard. I guess I have to say with regard to speaking, also it extends to typing. Typing. Texting. Emojis included. Okay? But typing, texting, posting, and things like that. This applies as well. Withhold speech. But do not withhold love this week. When you give attention, you're giving love. So withhold speech, and, but do not withhold love this week. And let the words you speak be befitting of the gospel when you do speak. Let the words you speak be the words spoken by a Christian. Let the fewer words you speak be those spoken by one who truly believes in God and trusts in Him. And I'll end with a beautiful quote by St. Isidore of Pelusium. He says, To live without speaking is better than to speak without living. For the former who lives rightly does good even by his silence. But the latter does no good even when he speaks. When words and life correspond to one another, they are together the whole of the divine philosophy. Amen.